and thank you for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Heather Hedges with Fidelity. It is the last week of January. How did that happen? Here we are. And so far, the economy continues to brush aside fears of a recession. The U.S. economy grew faster than expected in the fourth quarter. Consumer spending remains solid and unemployment is low. So all of that's also happening as many measures of inflation continue to cool. What does that mean for investors? Well, to talk about it, we are joined today by Naveen Mawal, an institutional portfolio manager here at Fidelity. We're also joined by Leanna Davini today. She's a Massachusetts-based branch leader here at Fidelity. And Leanna and Naveen are going to be teaming up today to answer your questions about the bond outlook for the year and how potential Fed cuts could impact the fixed income space overall. So a big welcome to both of you. Such a pleasure to see your faces today. Thanks for making the time. Thank you for having us as always. Yes, nice to be here. Nice to have you both. And before we begin, just a reminder to all of the folks out there watching us today, you can also submit your questions to Leanna and Naveen today. All you have to do is comment on LinkedIn and YouTube underneath the video. If you're uh, watching that way or if you're on our website, you can also comment there if you're watching us there live. And that way we will get to hear what's on your mind and we'll be able to incorporate perhaps some of your questions into a future episode. We do read all of your questions. Uh, and with that, today is Tuesday, January. 30th and the Fed is meeting right now as we speak and as I mentioned off the top of the show a lot to talk about the big headlines being the continuing signs that the U.S. economy is resilient with a capital R it seems uh, so the question that you know I'm sure is on a lot of investors minds today as we wait to see what the Fed's going to do Naveen is what might that mean for when the Fed might start cutting rates I know a lot of investors may like to see those rate cuts start sooner than later but is that realistic Naveen? Uh, yeah, because historically, when interest rates do come down, that has led to better markets for both stocks and bonds. Are we going to get those cuts tomorrow? Well, looking at the futures market, where investors can invest their money based on where they think rates might be headed, it doesn't feel like a cut is coming tomorrow. I think what investors may have a chance to do, though, is listen to the Fed's commentary, which will come out tomorrow. And in that, Look for any clues that might give them a sense of how the Fed is feeling about inflation and the economy. And with the economy, maybe the job market more specifically, because those two areas are probably what will drive the Fed's decision on when and if to cut interest rates. And again, because those rates being lower can be helpful for stocks and bonds, that's why this is so interesting for so many investors. Well, that's a great segue into our discussion today about bonds, Naveen. Um, we're going to be answering your questions that you have sent in to us about bonds and what the future might hold this year for the fixed income space. Um, so first of all, Naveen, how do you think the bond market might respond if the Fed does get ready to, st to start cutting rates uh, later this year? I think the bond market is set up pretty nicely at this stage. So I think a lot of folks had probably a tough experience with bonds over the last couple of years. Back in 2022, the Federal Reserve was aggressively raising interest rates to help cool off inflation in the US. Inflation hit close to 9% two years ago. So going from 9% down to 3% took a lot of rate increases. And unfortunately for bondholders, when rates go up, that typically means lower bond prices. 
and many investors perhaps experienced that volatility in 2022. Now, 2023, for the most part, was choppy for bonds, but near the end of the year, once the Fed signaled it might be done raising interest rates, and in fact, they haven't really raised rates since July of last year, bonds returned north to 5% last year. So go to recovery in bonds. Where do we go from here is the question, though. Well, if the Federal Reserve is indeed done raising interest rates, and if the futures market is correct, and they may cut rates a few times this year, that can now help bond investors. Because just as rising interest rates can hurt bond prices, falling interest rates can boost prices on existing bonds. So a bondholder who has a bond today will not only hopefully get that yield, for a while, depending on the maturity of the bond they bought, but those prices will also rise. On the flip side though, as those rates do start to come down, then yields on newer bonds will be lower and the yield on short-term investments might be lower as well. So, hey, is it better for investors or not? It depends what investments one is focused on. Okay, and let's talk about another scenario too, Naveen. You know, what happens if the Fed can't deliver that soft landing that we've been talking about uh, and the long awaited recession finally does happen, will bonds still play a role, a meaningful role in investors' portfolios? Yeah, that's a big debate happening too, right? Are, are, is the U.S. kind of past recession risk? I think the risks never quite go away. But judging by how well stocks have done last year and the start of this year, it feels like more investors are gaining confidence that the economy may achieve, quote, a soft landing, where it slows down a bit, inflation cools off, but there's no recession. But what if there is a recession? Well, historically, it turns out bonds can be helpful for investors here as well. Historically, stocks can experience some volatility and bonds will actually gain in value because traditionally, when there is a recession, central banks in the US and around the world tend to cut interest rates, and that can help support bond prices, as we talked about earlier. So you put that together, stock volatility with some bonds, well, that's an investor, by combining those two investments, who may experience less volatility than an investor who is focusing primarily on the stock market or maybe stocks and short-term investments. Okay, and with that in mind, what would you say to, to investors who may be tempted to move from stocks to bonds because of recession concerns? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but haven't bonds been the best performing asset class during past recessions? Right. So if you look at the average of the recessions we've had since 1950, we've had 11 recessions over that time. On average, bonds have done a little better than stocks. However, each recession is a little bit different. And in those 11 recessions, in five of those recessions, stocks actually finished up higher than where they were when the recession began. So it's not always the case that bonds will do better than stocks in every recession. The other thing to keep in mind, I think last year is a good reminder of this. It is incredibly hard to predict the timing of recessions. It felt like to me, a lot of news headlines and just sentiment out there was pointing in the direction of a recession being very likely, if not inevitable, here in the US last year. Yet, we never had that recession. And in fact, we saw strong performance from stocks and bonds last year. So this goes to show you, it is practically impossible to try to time these things perfectly. With that said, what can investors do? What we have found, what I have found, my team and I have found by doing this over many years is typically investors may be better off perhaps figuring out 
a mix of stocks and bonds that they feel comfortable with and investing in that mix for the long run rather than trying to guess when to be in or out of the market by coming up with a mix that can grow gradually over time and not experience as much volatility as people are, are uncomfortable with that can help investors reach their long-term goals better than trying to time these things day to day okay don't time the market. All right, Naveen, thank you. Leanna, thanks for your patience. I want to bring you in now because, of course, you're on the ground talking with your financial consultants every day about what is best for their clients' portfolios. So I'm wondering what kinds of conversations you are having right now with your team about bonds and market volatility. And um, if you would, could you talk about how bonds could help investors who might be concerned about stock market volatility as well? Yes. Yeah, so I lead a team in Hingham, Massachusetts, just south of Boston. And as Naveen just hit on, really, it starts with remembering the importance um, of bonds in your portfolio and, and the goal of bonds. So historically, bonds have provided income and stability. And in addition, when we look at times of a recession or the economy contracting, bonds have provided that cushion. So when we talk to investors about the different types of bonds, there are many. But for those uh, we're talking about managing risk and experiencing less volatility, investment grade bonds may help investors. And so bonds come in all shapes and sizes. So that can include U.S. Treasuries. Those are typically, uh, they're not considered risk of default. And they also currently offer healthy yields. Outside of treasuries, other investment grade bonds could be corporate bonds that could provide more diversification, also help with volatility, and could offer some higher yields as well. So, so like I said, bonds come in all shapes and sizes, and many investors can feel there's some complexity to bonds. There's short-term bonds, there's long-term bonds. So due to Fed rate increases, short-term bonds have been more advantageous to investors. One thing to consider is also the length of maturities in a portfolio. So right now, it does look like a better return in the short term because you're getting that higher yield, but you generally get less opportunity for price appreciation over time. So bond prices, can they're going to rise when rates fall. Um, Short-term bonds generally rise less than long-term bonds. So, so a lot of uh, ways that we can help and educate on kind of the goal of bonds in your portfolio. All right. So like you were saying, you know, there's a lot of different ways to incorporate them in your portfolio. How about bond ladders? What are your thoughts on those? Uh, where can they fit in? So bond ladders are great. They're intended to provide predictable income over time. So we just mentioned types of bonds kind of focused in on investment grade bonds, but there's bond funds and there's individual bonds. So individual bonds uh, provide more predictability, but they can be a little less, more, less flexible than bond funds. So bond ladders add a layer of flexibility because you're building a bond ladder. It's basically a portfolio of individual bonds that have different maturities. So a bond ladder will free up part of your portfolio so you can take advantage of new or higher rates in the future. So at the same time, when rates begin to fall, a bond ladder structure can ensure that at least part of your portfolio is maintaining that higher yield. So as you can see on the screen here, this is showing a bond ladder from two year to 10 year. So you can see as the individual bonds come due, it's providing flexibility. Got it. So bond ladders equal a little bit more flexibility. And is this something that you can DIY or is it something you might suggest that professional guidance might help a little bit in this scenario here? It depends. So many of the clients we work with will use our fixed income page to build a customized bond ladder. Uh, if you're looking for more guidance, there's many that choose to delegate the responsibility uh, of 
managing their bonds to the professionals. As I mentioned before, many investors will share that the bond world can just feel complex. There, there's a lot out there. They come in all shapes and sizes. So just know that there's many tools and resources to help. Uh, this page shown, it also shows other fixed income. So you see CDs here uh, have many competitive rates. Many have invested cash in CDs as well as CD ladders. Uh, unlike bond ladders, CD ladders are backed by the FDIC. Well, speaking of CDs, Leanna, we have a couple of viewer questions that I wanted to get to. Uh, we have time for it. And uh, they both have something to do with cash. And I'd, so I'd love to pose them to you together. Uh, the first viewer question comes from Anthony S. And he asked through our web page, is now the time to YOLO, you only live once, of course, uh, on CDs before rates go down? Or do you think rates can go up more later this year? And then we got another viewer question from John F., who also asked through Fidelity.com. I have a third of my assets in cash. I'm getting four to five percent. And I'm wondering if I should invest some now. Are the S&P, the Dow, or the NASDAQ a good buy now or bonds? What do you think, Liana? All right, so as a reminder, we cannot give investment advice, but for any investor, it's really important to start with your goal. So what's the money being invested for? For some, it's retirement, that may be longer term. For some, it's an emergency fund, so short term. Uh, others may be just fund money. So the answer and strategy is gonna depend on the goals. So once we have the goal down, we're gonna pair that with your risk tolerance and your full financial picture. So one viewer just shared their desire to potentially stay in cash, looking for that fixed rate of return. The other is discussing investing for potential growth opportunity. As Naveen had mentioned, building out a well-diversified strategy that you're able to stick to, no matter the market volatility, that's gonna serve the most prudent over time. As for CDs, it could be a great time to lock in some CD rates, as long as it makes sense with the broader asset allocation of your portfolio. Um, rates are likely to fall once the Fed starts cutting borrowing costs and savers aren't getting much more interest on those longer term CDs. Um, so, so just important to know your options. So I'd say all of, all of those comments are tied to the portions of your savings that you wanna hold in cash or short term investments. But for many investors, again, historically, looking at both having having stocks and bonds, that's delivered stronger returns than cash or those short-term investments over the long run. So while the CD rates may be tempting, I believe many investors are going to benefit from having that prudent mix of stocks, bonds, and cash. Okay. Thanks for making that distinction, Leanna. Thank you so much. Very important consideration there. Uh, all right, Naveen, before we go, uh, tell us what's on your radar for this week. What are you going to be watching this week? Yeah, there's quite a bit happening. So we already touched on the Federal Reserve. And another thing I get asked sometimes is like, why is the Federal Reserve so important? We have to talk about the Fed all the time. Right, the we last... do every week, right? <laughs> <laughs> the last few years, the Federal Reserve has taken on more importance because of what's happened with the economy really since 2020. We went through a recession back then and then a recovery. And the Federal Reserve is a big part of that through 2020 and 2021. And then as I've touched on earlier, inflation, for the first time since the 80s, inflation became something that people were very much focused on and reached some of the highest levels we've seen in decades. Now, we already touched on this earlier, but inflation is getting back closer to its long-term average here in the US. We're not quite there yet where the Fed wants it to get to, but we're in a much better spot. But I suspect 
as inflation normalizes, and especially if we get to the soft landing scenario, the Federal Reserve may be less of an area of focus for investors. But for now, this is why it seems like every week or so we're yeah. talking about that topic. It does seem to be having a meaningful impact on the movement of both stocks and bonds, not just here in the US, but also globally. So that's one thing I'll be keenly watching out for, reading closely what they're divulging in their notes. And basically Couple you're saying, Naveen, get, get used to it for a little bit longer of us talking about the Fed yes. every week here on Market Sense. Okay, yeah, good to know. We'll start wearing Federal Reserve t-shirts because we've been <laughs> right? shopping for a while. And then two other things I touch on. So another one, of course, is earnings season. My friend Urian is a, is a big believer in earnings being a driver of long-term growth for stocks, something we all believe in here at Fidelity Investments. And as part of that, you know, I help manage client portfolios that focus on stocks and bonds for over 3 million clients here at Fidelity Investments. And a big part of that for most investors is the stock portion of it. So we do closely follow developments on earnings. Last year, earnings were expected to fall. And that's part of the reason the markets were kind of jittery to start the year. What happened, in fact, is earnings did decline, but not nearly as much as folks were fearing they might. So because earnings came in better than expected, that was part of the narrative of why stocks performed so well last year. So a lot of folks on earnings for the fourth quarter were pretty early in earnings season. I wouldn't necessarily extrapolate a lot from what we've seen so far. I haven't seen, generally speaking, a big miss in earnings. It seems like people are coming in right around or right ahead of expectations, which is what investors can cheer for, which is what can help stocks grow over time. So I'm hoping that continues over the coming weeks. I think in a couple more weeks, we'll have more granularity in what the season was like for the fourth quarter. And the last item I'll leave off on is thinking about the consumer. The U.S. consumer, the spending in the U.S. here represents nearly 70% of economic growth in the United States. So 70% of U.S. GDP is driven by consumer spending. A big driver of perhaps why the U.S. economy did not tip into recession last year, even, as I said, those earnings were slipping a bit. So if consumer confidence continues to rebound like it started to do in the fourth quarter last year, well, again, because that's such a big driver of economic growth, that can help the economy continue to grow into this year. So that debate on whether we're going to have a recession or, hey, this might be a soft landing, that would get that soft landing scenario would get a boost from continued improvement in consumer confidence. All right, Naveen, you, that was a great synopsis there about not just what you're watching, but why. So thank you for breaking down some of those important economic indicators for us. And thank you, Leanna, as well, for this timely discussion today and for your perspective. And now it's time right now for everybody out there watching to get out your camera phones. And I know you probably all have them because we're putting a QR code up on your screen right now that's going to take you to an in-depth article on the 2024 bond market outlook from our partners at Fidelity Viewpoints. It's a fantastic article. And within that article, you can also sign up at the bottom of the page there for a subscription to get viewpoints sent straight to your inbox so you can get timely investing information from our team of in-house financial reporters here at Fidelity absolutely free. Also, as always, if you have any questions about making a financial plan or staying on track, well, Fidelity can help. You can call us, you can go online to our website, or you can download Fidelity's app to learn more. Finally, if you missed any part of this discussion today, or if you just wanted to go back and, and see something again, you needed to, to watch it one more time, you can always watch the replay by going to youtube.com slash Fidelity, or you can search the words Market Sense 
on our website, fidelity.com. So on behalf of Naveen Wal- Malwal and Leanna Davini, Naveen, sorry about that. Naveen Malwal, take a second pass at it, and Leanna Davini. I'm Heather Hedges. Thanks so much for the pleasure of your time today, and we will see you back here next week, same time, same place. Remember, we are live Tuesdays at 2 Eastern time. Until then, take care, everybody. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranty with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at that time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the Fidelity speaker and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stocks involves risks, including loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to the increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. Fixed income investments entail interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall. The risk of issuer or counterparty default, issuer credit risk, and inflation risk. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic, and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. In general, the bond market is volatile, and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall, and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk, call risk, and credit and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. Any fixed income security sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to a loss. When investing in corporate bonds, investors should remember that multiple risk factors can impact short and long-term returns. Understanding these risks is an important first step toward managing them. Credit and default risk. Corporate bonds are subject to credit risk. It's important to pay attention to the changes in the credit quality of the issuer, as less creditworthy issuers may be more likely to default on interest payments or principal repayment. If a bond issuer fails to make either a coupon or principal payment when they are due, or fails to meet some other provision of the bond indenture, it is said to be in default. One way to manage this risk is to diversify across different issuers and industry sectors. Market risk. Price volatility of corporate bonds increases with the length of maturity and decreases as the size of the coupon increases. Changes in the credit rating can also affect prices. If one of the major rating services lowers its credit rating for a particular issue, the price of that security usually declines. Event risk. A bond's payments are dependent on the issuer's ability to generate cash flow. Unforeseen events could impact their ability to meet those commitments. Call risk. Many corporate bonds may have call risk provisions, which means they can be redeemed or paid off at the issuer's discretion prior to maturity. 
Typically, an issuer will call a bond when interest rates fall, potentially leaving investors with a capital loss or loss in income and less favorable reinvestment options. Prior to purchasing a corporate bond, determine whether call provisions exist. Make whole calls. Some bonds give the issuer the right to call a bond, but stipulate that redemptions occur at par plus a premium. This feature is referred to as a make whole call. The amount of premium is determined by the yield of a comparable maturity treasury security plus additional basis points because the cost to the issuer can often be significant. Make whole calls are rarely invoked. Sector risk. Corporate bond issuers fall into four main sectors, industrial, financial, utilities, and transportation. Bonds in these economic sectors can be affected by a range of factors, including corporate events, consumer demand, changes in the economic cycle, changes in regulation, interest rate and commodity volatility, changes in overseas economic conditions, and currency fluctuations. Understanding the degree to which each sector can be influenced by these factors is the first step toward building a diversified bond portfolio. Interest rate risk. If interest rates rise, the price of existing bonds usually declines. That's because new bonds are likely to be issued with higher yields as interest rates increase, making the old or outstanding bonds less attractive. If interest rates decline, however, bond prices usually increase, which means an investor can sometimes sell a bond for more than face value, since other investors are willing to pay a premium for a bond with a higher interest payment. The longer a bond's maturity, the greater the impact a change in interest rates can have on its price. If you are holding a bond until maturity, interest rate risk is not a concern. Inflation risk. Like all bonds, corporate bonds are subject to inflation risk. Inflation may diminish the purchasing power of a bond's interest and principal. Foreign risk. In addition to the risks mentioned above, there are additional considerations for bonds issued by foreign governments and corporations. These bonds can experience greater volatility due to the increased political, regulatory, market, or economic risks. These risks are usually more pronounced in emerging markets, which may be subject to greater social, economic, regulatory, and political uncertainties. Any fixed income security sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to a substantial gain or loss. Your ability to sell a CD on the secondary market is subject to market conditions. If your CD has a step rate, the interest rate of your CD may be higher or lower than prevailing market rates. The initial rate on a step rate CD is not the yield to maturity. If your CD has a call provision, which many step-rate CDs do, please be aware the decision to call the CD is at the issuer's sole discretion. Also, if the issuers call the CD, you may be confronted with a less favorable interest rate at which to reinvest your funds. Fidelity makes no judgment as to the creditworthiness of the issuing institution. Lower yields. Treasury securities typically pay less interest than other securities in exchange for lower default or credit risk. Interest rate risk. Treasuries are susceptible to fluctuations in interest rates, with the degree of volatility increasing with the amount of time until maturity. As rates rise, prices will typically decline. Call risk. Some treasury securities carry call provisions that allow the bonds to be retired prior to stated maturity. This typically occurs when rates fall. Inflation risk. With relatively low yields, income produced by treasuries may be lower than the rate of inflation. This does not apply to tips, which are inflation protected. Credit and default risk. Investors need to be aware that all bonds have the risk of default. Investors should monitor current events, as well as the ratio of national debt to gross domestic product, treasury yields, credit ratings, and the weakness of the dollar for signs that default risk may be rising. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary portfolio management services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, FSB, and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS. Each a member, NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments companies. This information is intended to be educated and is not tailored to the investment needs of any specific investor. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.